I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Albarigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, Ali. Hey, good morning to you. I'm sorry if I sound a little congested. I have a little head cold today, so I'm kind of a little off today, but I feel okay. It's like day three. I'm, I haven't been in the dojo. I've been chilling out just to make sure I don't get anyone nervous. I'm coughing or sneezing. I don't want people running out. Right. They're going to think, oh my gosh, she's got COVID. And, and the minute I had a stuffy nose and a head cold, I told my wife, I'm like, oh, I have a head cold. You know, She's like, okay, let's do a COVID test. She's got like 10 of them. She bought extras. She's like, run the COVID test. And, and I was negative, of course. It's like my ninth test that I've had. I've still been so lucky I've never gotten it. Do you know they have carcinogens in them? I heard there's something to do with the the Q-tip portion that pla- the whatever the foam or whatever they call it the material. Yeah, that I causes know. cancer. I know, dude. It's just wild. Of course, statistically, they'll say, "Well, it's such a small, and you're only doing it once, and you're not, do- you know, and you'll never get it because, like, it's crazy. It really is. It's just like every medicine, right? You know, every medicine has like 74 side effects." But it, it, you know, it makes you have less of a headache or something. Now on the on on the opposite side. So let me yeah. let me let me play the other side of the coin. Um, so does when I when I smoke my meat and I have that char. That, yeah. that that's that has carcinogens yeah. as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, meat in general, and don't make me get started, has, has carcinogens in it as well. And it's just bad for you. It's not, you know, do you know that they say on the cancer uh, website for the American Cancer Society that meat is one of the red meat is one of the leading causes of cancer? Yet, really? Yeah. Yet they, you know, there's no, they don't stop it. They promote it. And it's actually, it's one of their largest sponsors. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Isn't it crazy? I mean, we yeah. live in such a crazy world. It's just insanity. Well, uh, the, you know, I, you know, if you get biblical here, I mean, uh, before, before the, the flood, everybody was a vegetarian and then yeah. it wasn't until after the flood that God, you know, told, uh, 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 you know, Moses that ever or not Moses, um, Noah that everybody could eat meat. Yeah. I know. Isn't it weird how, um, things have gone in, in our, you know, in history and how they kind of, kind of change and move and ebb and flow and how like entire cultures go away and new ideograms and ideas start. You know what I mean? It's just a weird yeah. thing. Like, I think we're in a very special time right now where I like um, how you put it special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's almost like the movie idiocracy. Have you ever seen that years ago? Is no, I think you brought it up before. It's like a, a guy, um, the two is dumb. I, I haven't seen it in so long. I think the first, one or two are the dumbest people on the planet. They are so astounded by how dumb they are. They freeze them in cryogenics and they put them in a basement in the White House. And then the world goes on and they see them and they bring them out. And now they're the most intelligent people on the planet. I remember you saying that. Um, and uh, yeah, they're like, oh my God, you know, this is it. These guys are geniuses. And one of them was a wrestler or something like that. So it just kind of shows that our standards, by the way, I'm I'm thinking of doing a documentary on martial arts in general, like overall, but really about the traditions of the martial arts and why they're being lost about how the martial arts in general have been watered down at times to become nothing more than this kind of like glorified, I guess, like, um, I guess it would be personal 
personal motivational kind of uh, training, you know, versus physical, you know, martial arts was about fighting and warrior stuff. And you got all the other aspects from it, but it wasn't first and foremost about confidence and discipline and focus and self-control. That was the, the byproduct of the hardcore training. Yeah. Well, and I, but I do think that there was a spiritual side along with the, the, the martial side and, and, you know, um, so I think that's where the, uh, you know, the, the discipline, the respect, the focus, those things naturally came from that. Yeah. Uh, cause there, there, there's a, an even. Yeah. Yin and yang or there's definitely a woman, young, yin and yeah. yang. Yeah. yeah. Positive negative. Absolutely. Yeah. In and yo in Japanese, yin and okay. yang Chinese. Yours is woman. What? Woman young. In Korean. Right. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is without a doubt. I mean, it's, in, it, it's, it's kind of a weird time, like just even with how schools are being run, like, you know, and this is why we lead into, it's a good segue into what we do. Like a lot of people are interested in finding out why, you know, we think stats are so sexy and important. Yeah. Right? That's okay. We're talking about the sexiest thing in the martial arts today. Yeah. Like I, I think that people don't really quite, some of them don't understand and they, they're basically in that hamster wheel day in and day out of running their school. And um, even when I do coaching, it's very hard to get people newer school owners. I'm not talking about the top of the, the, the five percenters at the top um, or the 10% now. I'm talking about the beginning martial arts school owners that are trying to build a life in the martial arts. And they, you know, they're, very unsure of what to do on a day-to-day -day basis, how to get it done, how to stay focused. One of my clients yesterday, I gave him a list of five things to do and uh, last week. And I said, this is your homework. And then I followed up on it this week and 98% of it wasn't done. And he said, yeah, I keep tending to lean towards the low hanging fruit, <clears throat> the easy things to do, right? What, what's the easiest that I could get done so I could check off my list, you know, of things to do and say, okay, I'll add that on. That was easy. Got it done. I feel accomplished. Right. So, so we have to try to clear up today. A lot of the misconceptions on, uh, on that, like what stats and what, tasks so do you want to start yeah and just real quickly to put uh before i do that to hit on what you said that's where we ha we've we um psychologically feel like we're we're actually accomplishing things by doing activities as opposed right. to um accomplishing the activities that are going to move us forward to our goals right exactly um, so you know the old adage activity doesn't always mean accomplishment uh, but sometimes we feel accomplished because of the amount of activities that we're doing. Hey, you know what? I'm a creature of that. Like I, I will have my list of things to do. And if something happens that wasn't on my list and I got it done, I write it on my list and check it off. Like, I want to feel like I got a lot done at the end of the day. I just did a coaching call with a buddy of mine yesterday. Good friend, very successful school owner. I think he's got like 400 members in his school. And, um, he, he got me at the end. He's like, Hey, I got a question for you. He says like, how do you stay as motivated as you are all the time? And I was kind of like, I almost was taken back by that because I guess at times you and I and everyone else that's kind of out there doing things, we seem and appear to be super motivated. Um, but it's not always the truth of the matter, right? Like we're not always as motivated you know, when I say motivated, like we don't wake up every single day, like hoping that we could just get at it and get it done. Right. Like, so it, you know, for me coming up with that kind of idea of things to do every single day, that's the biggest problem is like, you're, you're kind of behind the eight ball in a way. Right. Like, you know, I know you prepare 
ahead of time. You know what you want to get done, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, you know, like your tasks. Yeah. And I even have time blocks. So, and this isn't the topic to talk about. Maybe we do it another time, but yeah, I time block things. Um, so this is one of my favorite quotes. I got it up on my wall. I did one of those little tile boards, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's a, it's a picture thing, but um, it says, you know, what's, what's the ultimate uh, qualification for success mm -hmm. for me? It's not how much time I spent doing what I love. It's how little time I spent doing what I hate. Okay, good. So, you know, the, the, for me, it's like, how much can I get rid of? Right. That I, yeah. I don't have to do. Right. You know, I, I'm really, and, well, and you know, isn't that interesting? I hate to bring up my book. I'm not trying to promote my book, but my book, the five gateways to happiness in one of the chapters, I had an, I hate list and an I love list. It was a homework assignment in the book. And I use this with my clients and we've talked about it, right? And so many times, but I say to everybody, just get out your computer and write, I hate at the top of the page and start at the number one and just start writing all the things that you hate, you know, all the things that bother you, that upset you, that you, you know, that you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and just keep on going and throwing up all over the page until you can't throw up anymore. Then take a break and, and now do I love list. And the I love list is a lot harder and sometimes it's much more deeper, right? Because you're not sure like you might, but you might love like going out to dinner or you might love cooking or you might love listening to music or going to concerts or you're spending time with your family. So the goal is to look at those two lists and then ignore the I love list at first and go to the I hate list and start to strategically eliminate or minimize the things that you hate. It's funny how in life we tend to tolerate the things that we hate, right? And we just deal with it. Like right now, the whole entire control, government control and the mandates and all this stuff, a lot of people hate it. Some people have just gotten to the point of tolerance where they're like, hey, if I want my freedom, I'll do what they say. And that's basically what they do in regimes is they start to slowly take things away and then they you know, people fight back and they back off a little and then they push more and they back off and they push more until finally everyone's in compliance and they're like, well, I'm lucky. Uh, at least I get to do this, right? You know, that kind of mentality. So anyway, we do that to ourselves continuously and we we tolerate the I hate, but why not go through that list? And, and I look back on my list. I did this 10 years ago. I literally have eliminated every single thing, almost every single thing other than paying taxes, you know, things that you can't stop. Right. Um, however, I changed that too, because I made, I minimize it by putting certain amounts of money away in an account a week or a month or by the quarter. So that when tax time came, I'm not like, Oh crap, what am I going to do? I have to take that out of my savings. Like I've minimized it. So I or see you got to do a whole bunch of paid in fulls. Right, right. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I, I suggest people do the, I hate and the, I love list and the, I love list is, how do you enhance the things you love? Like how, like you said before, like, you know, how do we get to do the things that are important to us? That, that, that quote, right? Like the things that you enjoy. Um, and uh, I think that that's important. Like, so if I love to cook and I love classical music, I'm going to combine the two together. So while I'm cooking, I'm listening to classical music or, and then I spend time with the family eating. So I'm like hitting those target points, but you don't do that unless you're aware of it. Right. Yeah. You got to you got to make the time. You can't find the time because when you try to find the time, it never comes around. Right. We know that everyone says, when I get in shape, I'll come to your school. Never happens. Yeah, I won't see you. Yeah, exactly. So so what are some stats that you do? Yeah. So uh, the sexiest uh, part of our business is stats. Right. Right, so, right. You know, in. In health coaching that I do. Right. right. Um, I also ask that they keep stats. Mm 
Right. And so I have a 30 day journal that they start out with. Okay. Um, obviously we want to put a starting weight. We want to put a goal weight. And then I have them logging what their food is uh, and also their water and their sleep. And so we're, we're categorizing these things. We are also writing these things down uh, because when there are problems that arise, you know, we're able to go back and look and see potentially where they're from. So I'll give you a, for instance, and the reason I'm starting with this is not to, you know, yes, obviously if there's studio owners out there that want to add this to their program, right, certainly right. it was a, especially a lifesaver during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I just think it's a, it might be an easier analogy. So I had one lady, uh, she, she was uh, making some bad choices. And so she was eating crappy right. on certain days and we would go back. And, and what we found was the days that she was eating crappy the night before she wasn't getting enough sleep mm-hmm. and that reoccurring. I mean, that was reoccurring every time that she did not have good sleep, meaning she did not sleep seven and a half to eight hours for herself. She was only getting five and a half or six or whatever. That next day she craved crap. Right. So, but we would not have been able to identify those things had we not had the stats. Now she knows that if she doesn't get enough sleep and she starts to feel, you know, that, uh, that pull, you know, to crappy food or sugar or caffeine, she knows why, which now gives her power to go, okay, I know why I'm craving this. It's not because I want it or need it. Mm -hmm. It's because I didn't get to bed on time. Right, right, right. So I need to get to bed on time. Yeah. So I, I, I say all that because, and, and I've got other analogies in, in, with regards to my health clients, but that's just one of them. The same thing is true in your martial arts school. Right. Without taking um, these measurements, even if you don't want to call them stats, without taking these measurements, you're not going to find where you can improve on your school. What constraints that are happening inside of your business, right. because not only are the numbers important um, with regards to, yes, I have 10 uh, intros and then I've got, you know, five signups and, you know, two people left. Right. But the percentages that those produce and what is the average that you should have in order to have a successful school, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, I think those are all different categories that we need to take into consideration. One, get writing the numbers down. Yeah. Two, getting the correct percentages. And then three, understanding what in the world, you know, or how do I look at these things and whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Does that make sense? Totally. And and I love the journaling. You know, I'm a big proponent on journaling, right? And I think that the, the point too, that what you pointed out was pretty powerful because people may just keep on going on thinking that, it's them or, or they're, you know, they don't know, but by, by, by looking at the journal, you'd found a discovery that was pretty monumental so that, you know, lack of sleep, you know, desire for bad food, you know, all of this stuff wouldn't have been uncovered unless you were able to journal and find out what those root causes were. Like what were the bad habits that were creating these, these slide slipbacks or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and of course she, you know, with regards to the eating crappy, she was thinking that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm just, it's one of those days and I'm craving crap. I know. There's a reason why you are, yeah. you know? And uh, so there's a reason why your school isn't growing. Right. 
Um, and you need to uncover that. Or there's a reason why, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not getting the amount of intros right. that you should be getting, you know, the right. percentages yep. that you should be getting or the closes that you should sure. be getting. I mean, all of those are, are variables that you need to know and understand. So, so go ahead. No, I was going to say, so some of those things that you just mentioned are very important statistics that I think people avoid because they don't want to see the true numbers. Like, for example, we will constantly be in that hamster wheel churning all day long and never get off long enough to say, hey, we got 60 trials, but we only have two signups. Okay. Now, what, what's the first mistake school owners say? Oh, well, maybe those weren't quality leads or maybe um, they weren't interested or maybe, uh, you know, it was too expensive. Like we make excuses to justify the lack of success when maybe all we have to do is talk to a sales expert and change our approach. In fact, I have a guy coming on. His name is Gil Katz as a guest with us. And uh, him and I did this little seminar webinar on sales, like the perfect enrollment formula. And people love it because they're like, wow, I never thought of that. Or I never did this, or I never thought of that. And it's simple little stuff. No, nothing earth shattering that no one has ever thought of, but it's a system that we use. So we want to tweak the stats to get better. And a lot of times people don't analyze enough to do that and then pay, pay attention to tweaking it. Yeah. And look, uh, again, just real quickly, going back to the health coaching um, what I did in 2020, gross, and what right. I did in 2021, um, I, I grew 500 percent. Wow! Through 2021, and but I wouldn't know that because did I hit my goal where I wanted to be? Actually, no. Okay. But and so, but if I didn't have those numbers and I didn't look at those things, I wouldn't I wouldn't know where I'm at, and and that is encouraging. That oh wow, I grew I grew 500 percent. So now I should, you know, hopefully be able to double, right. um, if not double, then, you know, cause, uh, you know, maybe, maybe only get, uh, you know, 30% more or whatever, but you see where I'm going with that without those I numbers. Totally, I totally do. I totally do. Um, you want to let our guest in and then we'll have him chime in as well as we go. So yeah. Yeah. And then I just want to, uh, go over some, uh, uh, like just the bare minimum numbers that you yeah. have to keep. I'd love that. That's awesome. Okay. We got to give right. them some tangible things that they should say. This is what I need to be focused on. Yep. Hey, Gil, good morning. Hey, good morning, Ellie, and good morning, Duane. How are you doing, guys? Good, good, good. Good, good to have you here. We're, we're already started just chatting about stats. And, okay. uh, you know, for us, stats are the most important thing, I think, of the DNA, the lifeblood of a school. So we just started talking about some of the things that we think are important. And one of them, Dwayne had said, was journaling and uh, making sure that you keep a record of what you do so you could find where you're making mistakes. And the Absolutely. other stats, he was just about to go on and tell us a little bit of the pretty firm stats that he believes that we should be taking to know yeah. where our school direction is. Yeah. So just real quickly, the bare minimum is uh, obviously you need to know how many you know leads that you're getting in. And how many of those leads uh, become a student? And then from right. there, obviously, how many people quit? Those are the three most important. Right. There, there's other ones in between. But if you're not even keeping those three, um, I would say that you need to do that as a bare minimum just to create the habit first. Um, and then understanding how to read those is the second, you know, the second uh, piece to that. What, what, what do you think, sir? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the very, as you just said, that's the very basic. And in fact, you know, there is even one more simple number 
that we got a truck. And by the way, I connect with a lot of school owners and I see some of them even fail to do that, which is just the profit loss number. You know, just look at your bank account. That should tell you how you're doing, you know, and, and connecting with what both of you just said. I mean, numbers, at the end of the day, being successful is just a, a, a game of numbers. Yes. Tracking the numbers and improving all those numbers. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about your school or your productivity on a daily basis, as you just said, you know, what did you do and how you can improve in it. The only way to really see progress and improvements is to track what's going on right now, change and just see what kind of results you're getting after. That's that's the only way I know so far, you know? Yeah. And you know what? That's the biggest problem. I think that with school owners, they don't want to it's not easy to, you know, you want to feel successful. So you look at numbers and you kind of think of the things that you're not successful at the least you can, because that would kind of tell you that you're not doing well. Right. So sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. We'd rather ignore the truth um, rather than correct the issues. Right. And sometimes it's nothing more than a matter of just really switching things up slightly and fixing them or adjusting them or tweaking them and so on. Absolutely. Yeah, we had um, we had someone write in. They just wrote, uh, you know, I love the idea of goal journaling as well, covering three types: short term, long term, emotional goals. That's a, yeah, that's an important thing as well. Uh, thank yeah. you for that, Mark. I appreciate your insight and thanks for sort of chiming in. So, Dwayne, what what number? So you you know you Gil, you said bottom line net profit, which I, yeah. I, I had a client that I coached for five years. I could not get him to give me his numbers, like. I don't know whether he couldn't figure them out or he never really truly knew. Even when he had software like Spark, he still couldn't give me accurate numbers. And like to me, I know my net loss and profit to the penny because I know exactly I have a a spreadsheet on Excel with every single bill I get and from whether whatever company it is. And I have this spreadsheet and I know how much it cost me to survive. That's a scary number, though, because if I ever have to retire, um, you know, I have to get rid of a lot of stuff in order to be able to retire at a, at a decent number because it's just a high number to be able to churn every day to be able to make. So, but you should know what it takes to make your business profitable. And some people don't even get that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then as you just said, you got to know every single dollar, every single penny actually yeah, where it goes and you got to track it. And yeah, I see it all the time with school owners and, you know, even friends, like I can give a simpler example of a rental, let's say rental unit. Someone tells me, oh, I just got a rental unit. I say, great. Is that cash flow? It says, yeah, obviously, of course, I charge twenty five hundred and my mortgage is only two thousand. So, yeah, I've got five hundred dollars every single month. And I said, no, you're not. You got to pay property taxes every single month. Then you got to have insurance. You got to take in, into consideration that from time to time, things are going to break and you'll have to, just, you know, fix it. And then from yeah. time to time, this place would probably also just be vacant, you know, and you have to think about all those costs. And that's exactly the same thing for us. Not looking just at the rented utilities uh, and, and like the obvious stuff, you know, equipment right. and, and uh, insurance. You know, you really got to look at every single penny where it goes and how much value does it gives you right and the other question as i just said is how much are you able to bring in you know whether this is new students or just new equipment or both and the core of really understanding the numbers 
I'm gonna say a scary word, but I don't mean it in a bad word, in a bad way. Uh, once you know the numbers, you can manipulate them. And what I'd like, I'd like to quote one of the greatest salesmen in the world, Jordan Belfort, um, where I, I've learned from him as well. He was doing lots of cold calling, which we're not, but what he said is essentially what we gotta do. Because at, at one point, you gotta get to a position where you can't really change much. Let's say that uh, I'm going to just speak easy numbers, so it's going to be easy for us with the uh, numbers and the math. Um, but let's just say that 100 people emails you every single month, and then the next step is schedule them for a class, for a session, basically, right? Then say that 50 are your 50 people, 50% basically you're able to schedule, and then 50% not. You're just email them and they just ignore you. I mean, at this point, there is not much you can do. You can keep following up with them, but if they're not responding, then then this is really out of your control. And then when we move to the next step, so we schedule 50% and of the 50%, we see that only 80% are showing up and we text before and email the night and before and after and during and but but still it's 80%. So again, it's really at this point is out of our control. And I can continue like that all the way down, but I think you got the idea. Then what Jordan Belfort said, he said, the only thing you can control, so he talked about cold calling, he said, is the number of dials that you make per day. For us would be the exposure that you get your website every single month, how much you're paying or whether you do the work yourself or the number of conversations that you're opening up with people. So that's the only thing that really you can control. You can increase the numbers. Well, there's and, there's two things, right? There's two things that you can control. So one is the actions that you're taking, that what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And then second to that is the information that is being delivered within those actions, because the yeah. information may also be a hindrance. True. So True. if the language is not speaking directly to them or it's not correct or as correct as it could be, it's kind of like obviously writing a sales letter. You want to test the headline. So those are the two things that I would say I agree with you, but I would add one more is not only the action can you control, but also, you know, the information as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, mean, just, and I, know, I, that, I know you knew that. Clear. Yeah, I knew you agreed with me on that, but I just wanted for the listeners, I wanted them to dial that in too, that know that there's two parts to that action. Mm hmm. Dwayne, I'll be right, guys, I'll be right back. So, Dwayne, maybe you could continue on with your um, a few more. Get out of here, Allie. I'll be right back. Yeah. So, anyways, I cut you off, Gil. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly what I meant if it wasn't clear. You know, you get to a point where you change everything and it's been proven to give you better results. And then at that point, there is nothing you can change anymore. And then it's just get out of your control. And the only thing you can control is, as you said, is your actions and how you're going to increase it basically. Yeah. And then, so I like what you brought up with regards to, you know, um, the stats you want to keep, obviously are your leads and how many of those leads actually show up, how many of those leads that show up actually, you know, sign up. I mean, yeah. all of those, all of those are stats. So let me ask you with regards to um, leads and then show up, what's the percentage that you are shooting for, for, um, you know, individuals that actually are in the funnel that to, to show up to the appointment? So again, I, I can tell you from uh, uh, my experience and some experience that I see with schools that I work with and I, I just coach them and tell them how I did it and then what they can do something similar to me. We see about 65% of prospects to 
booking. So if somebody either call, you can you can track just the calls and just the emails. But at the end of the day, you want to see how much interaction you're getting in total. And of course, if someone calls me, then I have a script as well. I'm not just, oh, hello. And, right. you know, just start talking to them. I know exactly. And the script is also being tested and proven to lead and guide people to just take the next step, which is booking the class. Um, but we see about 65% of the people uh, that basically contacting us, say about two thirds of the people contacting us, and then we're able to book them in for a class. So then what's the percentage that we're seeing, you know, they actually show up? About 80% of the time, 80% of the time people will show up. And then again, because I know it, I have set it up a follow-up system. So if I book Duane for tomorrow and, you know, your dog just ran away and you couldn't attend the class or whatever reason uh, that was, we'll start following up with you. We'll say on Thursday or Friday or next week, we'll say, hey, Duane, we missed you on the class. We'd love to book you in for another class. So we'll start following up with you. And generally speaking, uh, maybe two to three times, that's usually like the most long, you know, the longest that, that it will take to bring in people. I had one scenario that I remember. It, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was four or five times that I scheduled a person. He didn't show up. I scheduled again. He didn't like four or five times like that. And every single time, no blame, no anger, nothing. Oh, we just see you. We're missing the class. We'd be happy to have you joining us again. Um, and then once they show up, in terms of the conversion, that would really depend on the journey and the experience that you're giving people. Um, actually, Ellie and, ha and I just, just had a seminar together last week where we talked about the way we enroll people and we help them make the decision to join our school. Uh, I can tell you that I see nine out of every 10 people who are trying out classes join my, my school. So obviously I've got a good system. Um, but even if you've got only, I don't know what, three people out of 10 or, or one out of three, it, it doesn't really matter. If that's what you have right now, now when you know the numbers, really what you got to think is how are you going to bring three more people? Just three more people because you know that out, one out of every three is going to join your school. Right. So that's why it's so valuable to know th those numbers, because as I just said, not in a bad way, but you can manipulate them. You know how to plan and how to invest your money so you can get the best results. Well, yeah. And if you don't know where uh, the, the holes in the bucket are or the constraints are, then you can't fix it. So, you know, obviously, if they're opting in and you have 100 people opt in, but but you only have, you know, uh, let's just say 10 people make an appointment, there's a problem. With, and I know that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, a, a goofy number, but uh, it, it, there's a huge problem. And then you need to go look at that funnel and see what's going on with regards to the funnel, meaning the information, the delivery process, you know, all of those things. But unless you can actually have those numbers, like you're talking about, you can't diagnose those things at all. Yeah. And, and by the way, too, you, you know, we mentioned this in the beginning. It's like that knowing knowing where you're at and taking the time to recognize where you're making your mistakes so that you could then tweak those numbers. Because let's say you get one out of every five, but then you get better at whatever the process is along the way and you start getting two out of five and then three out of five. Yeah. That small little uptick, yeah. you know, let's just say you get two more a month in that sign up than you would normally two month to a month. That's 24 a year. 
that's a good amount of money extra in your pocket for, you know, that you wouldn't have made. So I think many people make that mistake that they don't analyze. And they're so quick to run off and find a new marketer, <laughs> find a new system, find a new software. And, yeah. um, and I find that weird. Like, Dwayne, what are some of the other numbers like you think, like some stats? Like I was looking at Spark and looking at their KPI, which I love the way they put it. It's not a stat. It's much sexier the way they put it. Key performance indicators, KPIs, right? And that's a Tony Robbins thing actually yeah uh, you know so uh you know what are your some of the things that when you're looking at your numbers what what else are you looking at like what is the things that you find that are very important to the growth of your school well you kind of well we kind of little talked about it a little bit when you were gone so um but obviously you know what what's the percentage of people that opt in are actually making appointments and how can you you know utilize your system or systems to make that even better and i i think that you know one of the biggest problems that we have now is the fact that everything is so digital and automated that we have a tendency, I think, not to put the the human touch in there. And right. so my recommendation would be somewhere inside of the automations, there need to be there needs to be a, a physical task for a human being to make a phone call and actually call that individual, whether or not you get them. Okay. But having an actual message saying, you know, Hey, Mr. Alberigo, I saw that you, you know, did this and we'd like to get you in and there's only a limited amount of spots or whatever your, um, uh, it, your definitely, is. it definitely makes a huge difference because before my daughter started her full-time job, like twice a week, she would get on and call all the people who signed up for a trial, didn't show online or whatever. And she would call them and get them to make appointments. Whatever was going on, they just wouldn't book. Right. And then she called them and they were like, yeah, we, we would want to do that. Like, well, what I wanted her to say, like, well, what stopped you this entire time? And she probably should have asked that question because maybe somewhere along the pathway we had a, a hole. Uh, I just think hard. people are busy or they, they perceive themselves to be right. busy. And, you know, obviously when the texts are coming through and the emails are coming through, yeah, they're seeing them and, and messaging them, but that doesn't mean that it's an opportune, uh, 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 an opportune time for them to do anything. Right. If they pick up the phone, uh, I don't want to say we got them cornered, but we have them a lot more cornered than we do with a text right. or email. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I think too uh, is a big thing that, and, and years ago, I remember going to a NAPMA seminar, um, Rob Colasante, I haven't heard from him in a long time, was the guy who was doing the seminar. And he asked the room, which had about 70 people in, and he said, how many people here know how long people stay in the martial arts? And I said, between 18 and 24 months at the time. I mean, like, so that, that means that as good of a job that we do, we're going to have people that are going to quit um, around that 18 to 24 month period that we're going to keep them that long, but that's one of the buckets. So he said, yeah, you're correct. The, our, our standard was that. And I just looked on my KPI in my school and we're more like between, um, 18 to 24 months. And then the big one is 24 to 27 months is where I get a big dropout. So I'm keeping, I'm pretty good at keeping them up to two years but I'm now falling off after the two year mark, which is probably around my blue belt level ish. Yeah. But uh, I th give it another five years and you'll have more accurate stats because there's, I, and look, I hate to bring up the C word, but, but because of COVID uh, and right. I hate to use that as an excuse, but that, that it's just the reality that they're yeah. there. Your numbers are a little bit skewed. Well, this is not based on one year. This is going back to 2018. So, okay. 
So I've been with Spark that long. So it's 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, so but how many did yeah. you lose in 20 and 21? Well, that's yeah, kind that's, of where I'm going with yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's totally true. I but but you know, that's another number that we should be looking. We should look at our numbers and go, yeah, it's all the trial classes and the signups and all that stuff, very important, right? But sometimes I think we plug them into the system and then we hope that our system does magic. And then we forget that we're maybe losing them in the in the white belt like for example how many in, in like even in here it tells you quits by rank yep. um, and you're able to look at that and click on the button and see and it's pretty powerful because you go like wow where you know where are they quitting and you know if you have i had in that four-year period of time 53 people quit at the beginner level which means within the first three months yeah yeah so, but that's calculate but isn't that calculating uh trials I don't think so. Unless it was a one month trial for free that we may call that a program. Maybe that might. But that's be what I'm saying. Yeah. See, even that is, uh, is skewed. Right. But uh, it, it, you ever heard a school owner say like, I have a ton of black belts and then really they have like three black belts or four black belts. Like, so if you look at your numbers and you're doing well, I always made, I always made, a, you know, uh, an effort to look at my school's population of rank. So like if I had 63 people in the white belt level, I would hope to have at least 40 people in the black belt level. That means that like not everyone, but some of those people have made their way through and it's not always top heavy in the area of quitting. Like, you know what I mean? It's almost like if people went to a restaurant and they ate the appetizers and they were terrible, they're never going to get past coming back and eating a full meal. They just, you know, the, the first portion of their meal was terrible. Maybe the food redeemed them a little, but we want to make sure that we're looking at those numbers. Is there anything we could do if we find that we have a mass exodus in a certain rank, let's say? Um, that that yeah. would be pretty powerful to know that and, and do something. Gil, first yeah. off, listen, yeah. I was going to say... Hop in anytime. Don't be polite. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I just want to say at the end of the day, it's just a habit. And this is a so crucial task to do. And it doesn't matter if you have a, like a million dollar CRM or you just do it with a, a paper and a pen, you know, or Excel. It's just to give the time and, and make the priority to look at the numbers and to look at as many variables as possible, as Ellie just said. Not only when are they uh, quitting, which is the lifetime customer value, that's a very, very important uh, uh, number to know, but at what range, at what belt, uh, at what level, if they right. had, if it's a competitive sport, if it's just right after the very first fight and they lost, or if it happens maybe before the, the fight, they, they don't even want to give it a try. So it's really crucial because once you look at a number, Obviously, if you look at an individual, it doesn't tell you anything. But if you look at, at the group, then all of a sudden you start connect, connecting some dots that otherwise you would never be able to figure out. You would never figure out that people just quitting right before the fight because they're so nervous of just losing the fight unless you track it. That's the point. Uh, and if I may say another super crucial uh, number to know is the cost of acquisition of a new member. So it's it's you if you've got something specific like Facebook or or digital targeting uh, ads, you might be able to get this number. But at the end of the day, it's not that difficult. Just adds up all the marketing, every single penny you put on marketing a month, and, and divided by the the amount of new people that joining your school. 
And for those people who are having some hard time, and I know I, I see it a lot as well when I connect with people. Oh, but how do I know that? As Ellie just said, he had someone who <laughs> just failed to give the numbers. I mean, just go to Google Analytics and you'll see the amount of visitors on your page, how long are they staying? There's tons of just numbers there. And if you look at every single number individually, it may not tell you a lot. It may not make sense. But when you look at the bigger picture, then you can start connecting the dots and just, just figuring out something and how is it going to be helpful. And I just want to throw this out yeah. here. The, the reason yeah. that that acquisition cost is so important and just to, uh, you know, re, you know, restate that is, you know, what you said was you, you take your, your bottom line marketing dollars in totality and you divide it by the amount of uh, leads that you got in totality. And that's how much money you spent per person in order to get them to take an action with you. Yeah. Yep. The reason that's so important is because then you know, one, how much that costs yeah. But secondarily to that is now you know how much that on average you have to spend in order to get one lead to come in. It helps you to figure out your price. First of all, ideally, you want to make a positive cash flow. So again, I'm always speaking easy numbers, but the principles are all the same. So if it cost me $50 to just get new student and I'm charging $100 a month, then I've already made $50 right now, right there. And then uh, yeah, just, on the, just on the first. Just on the first month. The first month. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and then, right. of course, we want to combine it with the lifetime customer value. So I want to know on average what right. this, what, what to expect from this person. And that's going to help me not only for uh, knowing how much I can spend on each lead, but also in terms of the offers that I want to bring people in. So if I know that a person is going to stay with me on average for two years, and let's say he will spend uh, with me $10,000 uh, on those two years. I don't know if it makes sense or not, but let's just say. Well, I actually now give one month for free or two months for free because I know that for the long term, it's actually going to be really, really worth it for me just to bring the person in, uh, start developing this relationship. I know he's going to like me. I know he's going to like my classes and I know he's going to stay here for uh, let's say two years. And then again, we go back to the numbers. I know that this is going to happen 90% of the time. And uh, one more thing I wanted to um, to mention, you said I take the total marketing divided by the leads, but then we can also start divided by the total number who, of people who signed up yes. or the people who showed up. So we can right. make some cross numbers and then just see the numbers compared to every different single one of the numbers. And then how can we tweak it? How can we improve on those numbers? So the other thing alongside of that too is um, it, how important, so understanding the uh, lifetime value of the customer, how much they're costing you to get to, to, to get in. So basically how much you're investing in order to make the money that you want to make. Yeah. I, I think by doing that too, also um, psychologically gives you an advantage that you didn't have before. If you're, if you're not doing that, and the importance or the wherewithal of, again, not just relying on the technology, but getting on the phone and calling them or doing the mail or like actually physically doing a mail piece, which they're not getting a lot of mail right now uh, as it is. You're yeah. not getting bills in the mail. There is not a lot of crap that's being fed. And so you, you're not going to be sift sorted and screened like you were, you know, five years ago or even yeah. seven or 10 years ago that they got a bunch of crap in the mail. Can I, can I, can I, 
I just wanted to add to uh, there's a big thing that we we have to overcome in our industry in regards to everything you just said is to not be cheap, penny wise, dollar foolish as martial artists because we tend to always say, hey, I didn't like when I do Christmas cards, we do uh, we sell VIP cards to school owners. Mm -hmm. It's like twenty five hundred VIP cards cost like one hundred and fifty dollars. And I'll get people to go. I didn't get much response on that. It was a waste of my time. I only got three students. And I go, okay, three students. At, if it was $100 a month, that's $1,200 per student. That's $3,600 return on your investment for yeah. buying $150 worth of cards. Why people are always looking for that gold mine hit and not doing all these little things. So like you got to look at return on investment. When you look at that, I think you should understand that even the small hits are really worth doing. If you have 10 small things going on, that could be 20 leads that are going to sign up a month. So I think school owners sometimes look at their stuff and they're, and they're penny wise, dollar foolish. Like they'll do, they're too cheap to buy websites and they make their own website. It literally looks like my daughter made it when she was four. Um, and by the way, that's the worst thing they could represent them on the web. And, and it, they're cheating themselves because they're being cheap about it. Right. And I know when you're tight on money, you tend to do that, but then you also hurt yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. And what I wanted to say is um, connecting to what you and Duane said. Well, first of all, I love direct mail, by the way. Yeah. So obviously, first of all, as you just said, you got to know that you're just delivering a really good piece of marketing um, so it will perform. But what I wanted to say is that because everyone is so focused on the online presence now and on the digital marketing forms, well, there's not a lot of people who are actually doing this direct mail. And then this is really where you can have a really, really good, um, I'd say maybe even opportunity because you don't have a lot of competition compared to the web that everyone wants to be right now on Facebook, let's say. So the way I see it is is just, it, it would always just be like that, you know, wherever, ever, if right now everyone is, is looking for one thing, if everyone is focusing on one thing, you can focus on that, but it would be a very good idea to just focusing on other things that not a lot of people putting effort and time and money on. Yeah, and I mean, think about think about it. It's like um, it's the lazy man's marketing ad, you know, scheme is to hire someone to do Facebook marketing for you. You really don't have to do a thing. There's yeah. no legwork. I hire Gus from Lead Hunter Media. He does the ads. I get the leads. I sign them up. Um, as long as that's working, that's great. But there's no reason why we shouldn't have five or 10 different things going at once um, yeah. in case there are some, which there are slow months on the web where people just don't shop for, for things. So we or end the up algorithm change, you know, and then that happens all the time, especially with websites. Google will change their algorithm requests and we have to go into a hundred websites and change it to meet their qualifications where my clients will drop from the first page, number one or two to like the third page because all of a sudden and Google does that to game the system because they want to make sure that no one else is mastering their algorithm and that they're like the top company, even though that we're really good at it. Most of our clients are always at page one within the first three or four searches, first, first four searches. Um, but Dwayne, what about, 
what about, and what are your thoughts guys on this too? Like, so I'm a school owner. I, I don't know what to do. You guys are talking about a bunch of stuff. Like, is there like, you know, and, and I think the biggest problem with podcasts in general is there's not a lot of really succinct, I, you know, uh, steps one through four that a person could write down and do. So number one, we talked about leads and getting them through the door and getting better at it. Number two, we talked about other stats, like knowing your numbers financially, where you're at, what your expenses are, what you're grossing. The third thing we talked about now is student retention. Right. And um, knowing when they're quitting and then trying to find a way. Dwayne, did you read Upstream? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love I honestly love this. One of the best books I've read in years. Right. As far as getting my for me connected with me, because I'm constantly hearing people talking about what they can change, what could they could do better. But they're never looking upstream to find out what they're doing wrong and what they can avoid by training their clients. Right. So if we know that people are quitting at the 18 month period between 18 and 24 months, we probably should be focused on them around 15 months in and really start reprogramming and retraining their minds so that they're, they're not going to get to that point. And even if we keep an extra 10 or 20 people that we would have had quit, that's massive, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, how do we get people through black belt? How do we get them to stay after black belt? Cause that's a big problem in most schools too. Some of us get them the black belt. And then after they get their black belt, they're at an age, they go to college, they get married, they quit. How do we get them to stay longer? How do we get people to be more serious about what they're doing to make it a part of their lives? I mean, those are things that we need to look at. And that's what this book upstream really uncovered for me. I yeah. think it's new challenges. Um, <clears throat> so what I mean by that is we've strategically put in <clears throat> an upgrade called leadership at, a, at, at uh, the first year mark. So they get through the beginners program, they get into uh, intermediate and uh, they, they get uh, an invitation to go into the upgraded program called leadership. That's where they get to learn weapons and <clears throat> leadership principles. They have uh, stuff that they have to do with, with regards to that, the workbooks and stuff to learn leadership topics. <clears throat> now, about six to nine months after that, there's another uh, challenge, if you will. And that is another upgrade, but that's our storm team. That's our special right. team of role models where they get to learn how to teach yeah. and come on the floor and help. So uh, it's about three years to, to, for us, to them, to get to test for black belt. Okay. If I may say, yeah, go ahead. Sorry for interrupting Duane, but if we're looking for some practical things to do, well, I would say that the top number one thing, if you're not getting, I would say at least, at least, at least 30 to 50 people of the total number, like the total new people who are coming up to try classes every single month with your school, that would be the first priority, I would say. Uh, if you're there, so just, just look for how you can improve on these numbers. What can you change in your process? What, how, and even call people and ask for feedback. I used to do that when I just started out, I called people who didn't sign up and I said, Hey, you know, I just, I, I honestly, I want to know um what what was the reason you decided not to join us and by the way i want to let you know i'm not trying to convince you to try back here and sign up and re-sign you up and i just want to know how i can get better and i truly i i would really appreciate your thoughts and your opinion that's really important to me and usually after i will say that and people see that i mean it they will just tell me and i would get tons of valuable information and i would do the exact same thing for the 18 months mark or the, the two period, two years uh, mark where people are leaving, I would just say, hey, you know, 
Um, Ellie, you've been here for two years, and I really want to understand why or what made you decided not to continue, or, or I just have an open conversation with Ellie. Yeah. And I would really try to understand without judging, without replying, without just saying, hey, no, but you know, Ellie, we also learn how to do, a, I don't know what, a release from a forum chokehold. You know, it's just next level. Come, you know, I wouldn't do any of that. I would just ask them. I would let Ellie speak and see what kind of information I'm getting. That would be the very first step. And if you have some problem with getting feedback and ego, I would say do it anyway, because after three to five times, you're going to get used to it. Right. So. That that's the, the the like practical things that, that can people can actually do right now. And if not right now, they, they still want to listen till the end. So as soon as we finish or later today, they can just do that. Yeah. So so another uh, we are running out of time. We have like eight minutes left. It goes so darn quick. So and I appreciate yeah. you being on with us, Gil. It's, it's, I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. So, so Dwayne and I had we had talked about a few, we had done a few things that we released like the martial art manifesto right people that was a booklet that you and I designed about running a school you know what your time is worth I mean there was so many different things it, it wasn't a massive book but it's free right people could get that can't they just download it still yeah you can still go to schoolandlearntalk.com and get that yeah, so that's a free PDF download of a book we released that had a lot to do with statistical tracking, numbers, et cetera, et cetera. And then we also had a few other things that we gave away that are also on there for people to utilize. So I, I think that I hope that school owners will look back and go, OK, what am I avoiding? Like, what is it that you put off? That's the biggest problem. What are you putting off on a day to day basis that are um, things that you really should be doing? Right. You know, that you you know, you have to do, not should, right? You know, I remember John Graydon once said to me, I was writing an article and I'm like, you should do this, you should do that. He goes, Ali, you keep shooting me so much. I'm going to shoot all over myself, he goes. You know, so um, it's really about what's a priority within switch, switch, shoot with must, what I must yeah. do. Exactly. So everybody must track certain stats, right? And and again, we've given a bunch of them here, but as far as each school, I think you, you have to also look at your demographic, like what your population is, like, is it a children-based school? Is it a teen-based school? Is it an adult-based school? Because you'll know um, what, if you're dealing with children the, the, under the age of 12, you know you're dealing with parents, right? You want to talk to the parents, work with the parents, convince those parents not to let those kids quit, right? You know, when those, so you got to know your demographic as well, statistically tracking, and then be able to yeah. then adjust accordingly. Well, and what you're saying is that we we ultimately are in what kind of business? Right. When it comes down to it, we, we have, uh, or we need to, or we should, we must have a relationship with every single one of the individuals that walk through those doors, whether it be the student and if, uh, or if it's a, if it's a kid, obviously it also needs to be the parent as well. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the concepts that I teach my storm team, um, and these are kids that are in adults too, but mostly kids. Cause I run a mostly kids school. Right. Is that, you know, uh, this is our stage. So the, the mat is our stage. All the students that are on there are their performers. You know, the instructors are the director, you know, and uh, they're the directors of this performance on stage. <clears throat> and then the audience are the parents. Right. And so if we get all of the actors, you know, uh, moving in the direction and doing the things that the directors want them to do, and they're having a great time doing it, then obviously 
the audience is going to have a phenomenal experience as well. And we've done our job. I mean, just to kind of put it in a, a, a and I'm a simple person. So to put it in a simple way, <clears throat> yeah, it is a performance in, in, in a way that um, it's only for performing. It's a performance so that they have an experience kind of like Disney. So they have an experience that is a relational relationship experience that they're having so that they want to continue to have that because right. we're in a relationship business. We really are. Right. So listen, we have, we have four we were talking Dwayne, actually, there was one more number that popping into my head, which is the attendance rate. You know, you want to know how often people are just coming and training with you, you know, and, and with regard to the progress, you know, and then when, when you speak to other people, you can also tell them, Hey, look, you know, to get best results, you got to be here three times a week or two times a week or five times a week, no matter what you're doing. But I mean, you also, you, you really want to know this number, especially if you have multiple programs at your school, it uh, doesn't matter if that's for adults or for kids. You want to know what days are more popular, what po programs are more popular, what teachers are more popular. You know, you want to know all those kind, And that, that's exactly what it's going to tell you by, by just tracking those numbers. And, and what you said, too, is important because um, if you see people who are not attending, you pretty much know they're going to be quitting. Yeah. So, like, and, if, you, if you know, like, let's say after three or four weeks, they haven't been there, they're falling into a very dangerous area. That's where we should do a re-engagement campaign of some sort, whether it be emails or a phone call or a meeting. And then you'll get parents to go, like, they think they know, but I know that they, I always tell them, I say, breaks equals quits. They're going to quit if you take a break. So, and I've had that happen when yeah. I told parents, I said, listen, I know that if you take a break, they're going to quit. No, no, no. I know my kid. He loves it. You know, he's not going to quit. And then three months later, uh, he doesn't want to go anymore. We took too much time off. I'm like, I told you, you know, like that kind of, you know, I knew it. Like I, I've been doing this for 30 years. So I think we have to watch that pretty, pretty heavily too, is knowing where they're starting to fall off and then nipping it in the bud and, and trying to, you know, stop it right there so that we could get them back on track. Yeah, I so, completely agree. I completely agree. In your in your week, um, you need to spend time looking at those numbers. Um, so if you do it every Monday morning or if you do it every Friday afternoon, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what time of the week you do it, but just pick a time. And um, whether you understand the numbers or not, just start looking at the numbers and then reach out to one of us or something. And if you don't understand what you should be looking at and, you know, um, Ali O'Gill, or we'd be happy to help you. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, one last thing that I may say for a practical thing, if you're struggling with the numbers, as Duane just said, commit to do it at a specific day, specific time, and just start with one number, just start with the easiest one. Uh, how much money did you have in the bank account at the beginning of the month? And how much do you have right now? That, that, right. I mean, that, that's yeah. one of the easiest to check. I well, that's one of the biggest problems, I think, with school owners is cash flow. And and so, right. that, I mean, that's a whole other topic. But, I mean, that's kind of what you're saying, you know. Yeah. It, it, just as I said, the profit loss, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, if, if that's that's one of the simplest and most basic number that you can track that would just tell you how well you're doing pretty much. Well, cash flow almost killed me in the beginning when I bought my partners out. And I didn't understand yeah. it. It almost killed me.
And by the way, like just taking your numbers and putting them together, like I love what Spark has a, a an area where it's like the uh, income by chart and you could look at your, your year to date. And then you could, if you started four years ago, you could put the side comparison side by side. And I actually, the only thing that they don't do is totals and like year to date totals, month to month totals on there, which would be a really good one to see. But I do that on my own on an Excel spreadsheet. So I know like what I made in 2018 compared to 19, what the difference was from 19 to 20, 20 to 21, and now 21 to 22. And I also went back based on Chung Park's recommendation when he came on and I looked at my average from 21 to 19 because 19 was a normal year 20 was a bad year and that's when we lost all the people in covid so i compared to my 19 year to 21 year and i actually superseded that year that you know so i did not by a ton but i made more than i did in 2019 which is great so that means that we're we're back on track so to speak so knowing your numbers side by side comparisons and looking at them and then you can say oh this is great let's Let's win and make more per, you know, for this year. This is what we need to do this month, you know, and so on and so forth. So, Gil, if uh, people want to reach out to you, how do they contact you? Well, first of all, I'd love to uh, connect with everyone on Facebook, and I've got my own uh, Facebook group. Um, I'm also actually giving away a free ebook. Maybe I will share with you the link, and you can just post sure. it on the video below. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that that's pretty much the best. And and you know what? Maybe I can also share my uh email so people can just email me if they feel more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. go ahead and say it. What's your email? What it's just my name, gil.cats29 at gmail.com. And it's G-I-L-K-A-T-Z. Yes. Right? So it's not like cats ATS. Yes, two nine at gmail.com. But but I'll just I'll message you after so. Yeah, I'll we put it in hear. the comments right here to to reach out to Gil, Gil, K-A-T-Z.com. Okay, people could do it right there. And um, by the way, you and I also still have a program that's pretty li – it's live still for people to get, which is called the uh, the uh, enrollment formula, right? The, the perfect so, enrollment formula. enrollment formula, so people yeah. want to get it. My friend – who's a Krav guy. He runs the largest Krav organization in the UK. His name is John Bullard, uh, Bullock. And he, um, he texted me last night. He goes, oh, I'm going to buy that program to give it to my team so that he could see on how to close and, and sales techniques. So, all right, well, Dean, great, great call as always, dude. I appreciate you being here. I'm, I'm a little under the weather. So if I sound congested, that's why. And, uh, thanks Gil for being a guest today. And Dwayne, yeah, thank you, you for having me, Dwayne and Ellie. Always pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to do a closing? Yeah, I just want to remind everybody, if they're looking for more information on the podcast, they can go to schoolownertalk.com. Uh, and then they, obviously they get the manifesto there, but we're on all of the uh, uh, all the, the podcast places you can download us at. So this uh, primary place is go to schoolownertalk.com. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. All right, bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management Group at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. Get KarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your systems. Add HealthCoaching.com, 
helping school owners create a whole other revenue stream for their school. We will see you next time.